What is the name of the apartment complex developed by Ron that will eventually be built where Anne's house is? Answer at the end of the episode. The citizens of Pawnee. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee. Clothes. Preach yourself. Fragrances. Preach yourself. Massage. Preach yourself. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and colorful. Says you could have network connectivity problems. Jogging is the worst, Chris. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Dr. Harris, you are literally the meanest person I've ever met. Dad, Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergerich, Gengerich. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. Hello, welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as some other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name's Brian, and I'll be your host. This is episode number 73, being recorded Friday, June 9th, 2023, and today I'm going to be talking about season two, episode 12, Christmas Scandal. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. And just a reminder, this podcast will have full spoilers for the entire series. Oh, man, I feel like I just recorded. I'm recording a little early this week. Uh, Granted, I never talk about my recording schedule with you folks, so you're just like, who cares? But anyway, we're, um, my family and I, we're going on like a mini vacation on Sunday my kids don't know about it, so uh, Joni and I are very excited. We're just we're going up to uh, Wisconsin Dells. If you're unfamiliar with what that is, it's uh, it's a nice haven for us folks in the Midwest. But no, up in Wisconsin, uh, they have. I, I I think Wisconsin Dells is actually the name of the town. It's a very small town, but. Maybe it's just, I don't know. But anyway, uh, they have it's it's like a vacation spot. There's a bunch of like resort type places there and we're going to be staying at one. We're only going for uh, two nights, just a very short one because it was kind of last minute, like spur of the moment. I got home from work the other day and my wife's like, what do you think about? So because we didn't have anything planned for the summer, but then it was like, well, you know what? Maybe we could just do something real. So, yeah, we just. uh, um. Yeah, kind of on the spot. We're like, screw it, let's go. So I'm really excited because we've been up there before with the kids, but they don't, they have like no recollection of it. Like Sadie does a little bit. Sadie's my older daughter. She has a little bit, um, you know, of recollection, but it's been, I don't know, it's been like five or six years at least since since uh, we've been there. So anything that Sadie remembers, I think is mostly just her B- BSing and <laughs> humoring me. But um, yeah, so I'm excited to bring them up there again. And then we have so many pictures of them from the times we've been there before that it's going to be awesome to show them the pictures and be like, like actually go to those spots and be like, look, you've been here before, like the arcade that's in, you know, because like I said, it's a resort. So they have everything there. There's like seven or eight different water parks. You know, there's three or four video arcades. There's go-karts inside and it's awesome, like a ton of restaurants. So we're really excited. Um, uh, but yeah, so let's talk about some filler. Everything he's saying is nonsense and he's fooling them. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Ted Lasso. Just kidding. Everyone's like, no, fuck that. No more Ted Lasso. Um, however, in the vein of Ted Lasso, which is, uh, as I've stated many, many times, uh, like a feel-good, a feel-good show, 
I have another one for you. It's uh, a new Whirr show. It came out in um, April, so it's only a couple months old. But it was on Amazon Prime Video, or it is on Amazon Prime Video, and it's called Jury Duty. So you may have seen uh, like clips of this that they're they're kind of promoting it heavy. Obviously, they got the Amazon money behind them. But it stars uh, James Marsden. Uh, Kirk Fox is in it as well. Kirk Fox is Sewage Joe, by the way, from Parks and Rec. And so I, I remember when I was like hearing about this, I saw a couple of ads and then obviously anytime I turn my fire stick on, like the first, they, like they, they promote the hell out of this, like I said. So there was uh, actually last night, I just, I turned it on and I saw this thing plastered right in the front. So I saw James Marsden, I saw Kirk Fox and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. Why the hell not? Because it looked like it was going to be another kind of workplace comedy. I mean, clearly jury duty, they're not working, but it looked like this was just going to be about a case of people who are clearly on the same uh, trial and just their like everyday mishaps and all that shit, you know, like Parks and Rec or The Office or anything. So I was kind of right, but all right. So I, I did like no research, anything going into the show. Like I just said, I knew that, you know, just a couple of the actors that were in it who I like. So I start the first episode and it tells you right off the bat. It's like they give you the facts kind of. It's like, OK, so, um, you know, people were selected to um, uh, participate in basically like I'm not, I don't know all the words and whatnot, but people were hired and not not hired. People were selected to be on a reality show that was going to like have special access because obviously cameras are not allowed in courtrooms unless there's you know again special access or whatever so uh the the people were told that this was the case they were going to be on a jury and it was the the whole show was just going to be a reality show about the life of a juror during jury duty so it was going to be kind of like the behind the scenes stuff of like what like what people do when they're what you know in and out of the jury you know like so the only thing was, and this is fucking brilliant, everyone on the show is an actor, obviously, it's a TV show, but this is a reality show. Everyone on the TV show is an actor except one person. So I know what you're thinking. You're thinking like um, Joe Millionaire or uh, that, well, there was those, just those other stupid ones where like the people are going to get duped at the end. However, the clever thing about this, like James Marsden he plays himself <laughs> and, it, and it, for some reason you're, you're blanking on James Marsden. He's in Sonic the Hedgehog. He's like the cop also uh, bigger known for he's in the notebook. He's like the other guy. He's not Ryan Gosling. The other one that Rachel McAdams was with or was supposed to be with. Uh, he's an X-Men. He's Cyclops. So yeah. So he's, he's a pretty known, like recognizable actor. So he is playing himself in this show, but he is playing like an over like, fictionalized like kind of egotistical but likable definitely likable but yeah like he he's so good at it like just being a likable but like that guy you know he's constantly doing like no oh, no uh those people over there they're gonna want to take pictures of me and it's like all the people like in the like the jurors like none of them have any idea who he is besides this one guy you know so he meets him and he's just like Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you looked right. You know, like I thought I recognize you. And it's so funny. The reaction just because like this guy is not acting the main guy, like the Mark will call him. He is talking to James Marsden and he's like, Oh shit. They made a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like it's so weird watching this, knowing that it's like, they're all acting, but this guy's not, you know? So 
you feel it's like, how is James Marsden actually reacting to this, knowing that this guy does not like really know him? Like he kind of, excuse me, he kind of knows him. And he talks later that he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I saw you in Sex Drive. If you have not seen Sex Drive, it's it's hilarious. Check it out. So anyway, now I'm going to try not, well, really I can't spoil much because like the, 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 like we already know what's happening. Uh, so I won't tell you like what happens with the court case, like what the verdict is or anything. I will tell you there is a reveal. So like this guy does find out uh, it's the, the final episode. So it's, it's a wonderful reveal. The show, it's definitely a feel good show. Um, some of the other actors that are on the show, actually like there's, there's only a couple that I recognize. And it's like, I didn't even know them by name. One of the guys, this is like a total deep cut. In the office, the episode where Andy is like this, it's like the second to last episode of the series when Andy is trying to get that gig for the the PSA and Daryl's with him and he's got to do the thing where like, remember, like he has to hold his eyelids open so that the water can go directly into his eyes to clean them out. So the guy that's like in charge, the guy that's running the commercial, the one that keeps telling him like, yeah, keep, like what the hell are you doing? Like, the, yeah, the, basically just the guy that's like, all right, he's like the, the boss or whatever. That guy's in the show. He has a very small part, but it was just one of those like, oh, I know that guy. Like clearly he's an actor. So he was perfect for the show. And then the guy who plays the judge, his name is Alan Barinholtz, And he is the father of Ike and John. So if you watch Superstore, uh, John Baron Holtz was Marcus actually. And he was also in one episode of parks and recreation. Uh, here's some trivia for you. Uh, the episode when Andy and April are at the snake hole lounge and they're trying to get free shit. He's like the first guy that April sits down next to. And she's just like, Hey, you know, you want to buy me a drink? He's like, yeah. So he gets her one. And then he's like, what's up? And she's like, I don't feel like talking. And she just takes it and walks away. That's actually John Baron Holtz. And then Ike Baron Holtz was in like the Mindy project and uh, neighbors, stuff like that. They're pretty recognizable. If uh, like my wife, she watched it with me. She doesn't really watch much TV. Uh, like she came in when I was on the second episode and I was laughing my ass off just because these actors are so like, I can't explain how creative this show is. Like I, I just, I, this is a 10 like recommend for me. I'm not saying the show is a 10, I, but I mean, I would say it like, in my opinion, like at least an eight, 8.5. Like I was smiling almost the whole time because you know what's going on. And the thing about this show is that the guy that they picked, his name's Ronald. He is so likable he's such a nice dude and it's like you just at the end of the show when they do the reveal i mean it's like it's heartfelt and it's it's so like you can you feel bad for the guy but at the same time you're so happy for him because it's like he was duped i mean like they show him the behind the scenes stuff and everything and i mean you can't tell because he's still trying to process this he's like because this is a three-week case so he got to know these people and, and all these actors, they all know that they're actors, but none of them knew each other. So it's kind of cool. They're actually meeting each other too. But it's like my wife and I, I kept pausing it. And I was just like, this is so insane. Cause it's like when the main guy, the guy that doesn't know it's real, when he's not on the camera, what are the other people doing? Like, what are they talking about? Is it just kind of like, because like, they, none of them want to fuck this up. You know, it's like we, they don't want to be the, like, give it away and no one ever does, but they do show you like the one spoil I'll say, and, and I won't give details, but they just tell you, they show you that 
yeah, like a, a small clip of the people going through talking about how it's like, oh my God, like how many times they, they came close, like because of like the ridiculous scenarios that they put these people in. Um, they thought that like he, he's going to know, like there's no either that or he's just going to walk off this, like walk away from this case and be like, fuck this. I'm done. This is stupid. But he was just, he was a trooper with everything. He was just like happy go lucky about everything. Everyone loved him. And so something that was funny about it, um, my wife actually sent me a clip on Instagram the other day. She sent me, uh, you know, like a, a, a message and I clicked on it and I had no idea what it was. It was from this show. It was that guy. His name's Ronald Gladden, I think, or uh, Glidden, something like that. So he was, and this, this was like post. So this was afterwards, but he did a quick, uh, he was doing an interview and he had said that, so like right when, when he met James Marsden, originally he was like, dude, I loved you. Or like when he found out he was in Sonic the Hedgehog, he was like, that's so cool. You were in Sonic, man, dude. I, I love uh, the guy who plays Sonic, John Ralphio. I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan. So that in turn led to Kirk Fox, Sewage Joe, not getting very much screen time. And it's like, I still couldn't figure this out because I'm like, all right, this guy knows who John Ralphio is. He says he's a Parks and Rec fan, but doesn't know who Sewage Joe is. And I'm like arguing with my wife about this. I'm like, how does he not know? Granted, his name, like, again, the actor's name is Kirk Fox. His name on the show, the actor's name on the show, his character was like Ray, or I, I can't remember what his name was, Ron, something like that. I think it was Ron. So we're trying to think, it's like, all right, is the guy like just casual enough that he knows who John Ralphio is, but he doesn't know Sewage Joe enough? Because Sewage Joe is actually only in like five or six episodes. Maybe, maybe more, but like less than 10, I would say, where John Ralphio isn't actually John Ralphio is not in a ton either, but he's just such a, like a memorable, recognizable character. So I guess I could, cause like my wife, like casual fans, she knows definitely who uh, John Ralphio is, has no idea who Sewage Joe is. Like I, I point her out or point him out to her like every time. Plus he replied to one of my posts on uh, Parks Rec meme. So I'm like, yeah, dude, me and fucking Kirk Fox, we go way back. So, but um, anyway, sorry, I'm going like off on, off on a tangent here. They, when they found this out, yeah, they pulled Kirk Fox aside from what I'm just kind of putting this together by context. And they told him, they're like, we can't film as much as of you because he's going to eventually, like if he keeps hearing you talk and whatnot, he might put that together or who knows, maybe like when he's in his hotel room at night and decides, yeah, you know what? I just thought of parks and rec. Maybe I'll put it on. And he sees fucking sewage Joe. And it's like, wait, that guy's part of my jury. So it was like, it, it kind of sucked in that sense that Kirk Fox, because he's hysterical. Uh, we all know that as, as Sewage Joe, he didn't really get a lot of time. So it really sucked. I mean, like he was in the show, like plenty, like he was always there, like when they were do, like deliberating and stuff, but he, like all the characters get their time with, uh, with the main character, the guy, the guy, Ron. So it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I always say, I don't know. I don't know. I do know this show was fantastic. It was so fun. It's eight episodes, uh, 30 minute episodes. So about four hours, my wife and I watched it in two sittings. Actually last night we watched two episodes and then we just watched the other six or, uh, well I watched the other six. She watched, uh, well, cause she missed the first one, but either way, so she missed the first episode, but she got to see everything else. And then 
I was like, you got to watch the first one. And then it's like, actually, you don't. But the first episode is hysterical. So I recommend watching the entire thing. But if you're just interested in the reveal, actually go to the very end of uh, episode seven. Watch like the last 10 minutes and then watch all of episode eight. But I highly recommend the show. So don't ruin it for yourself. Just watch it. It is so, so funny. These and, and again, this, these actors, most of them, they got hired on a casting call. So they just sent in videos and that's how you would have to do it. Like, yes, they're actors, like they're trained actors. I mean, technically I took an acting class. I mean, like I did. So I, I, I'm not a, a paid actor, but I have acted. An actor is one who acts, which, oh, shut up, right? Anyway, um, but like these people, they're not known actors, most of them, again, but they were, they were fantastic. It, and and I would love to see actual like behind the scenes. They did show us some in that final episode, but I want to see more of them having to like problem solve like, oh shit, okay, uh, he chose to go this way. We didn't think he was going to go that way because a lot of this guy's what he's doing is pretty much dictated by the other cast members. They'll be like, hey, we should go. Let's go. Let's go this way. And that way they they go into this room here where they have cameras set up. So it's like we're good to go. You, you know, if it was like, hey, Ron, where do you want to go? And he's like, hey, I want to go to, I don't know, this bar. And they're like, oh, shit, like we can't go there. We don't have any like we're not going to get any footage. So it's like everything had to be so carefully orchestrated. And I really I'm kind of bummed because like I can't see them doing I mean, like maybe if they make a series out of this where like almost like undercover boss where the next scenario, because like this show will get out word will get out. But then again, you have shows like like impractical jokers that's been going for 12 years. And it's like, they still get people, people still get like duped by this, not knowing who these guys are. However, in impractical jokers, like I imagine like one prank, like when they're actually filming, it takes, you know, like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe not three weeks. <laughs> so for someone, but I guess you're shut off from all technology and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, maybe it could work for future seasons, but this cast was wonderful. I like as far as a recommend, this is a 10. Oh, my God. I, I loved it. Again, this was so easy to watch. I ripped through it so quickly with my wife. She loved it. Again, she does not watch TV very often, but uh, we had a ton of fun, a ton of fun with this. So, uh, yeah, jury duty. Check it out. And then I just wanted to quickly talk a little bit about uh, from which uh, I don't know. It's getting kind of boring actually it's getting like very boring but they're doing enough to they're, they're they're giving me enough like each episode at least to keep me wanting to come back and again the fact that like i don't bail on shows at least not mid-season so uh spoilers for season two of the show from if you um are watching that and you're not caught up so uh we have found out like a couple cool new things uh, like one uh, Boyd, the sheriff, he's the one that got his blood was like infected and he had those little worm things living underneath his arms. So in the, uh, the so I'm talking about episodes uh, six and seven or seven and eight, whatever the two most recent ones are. Actually, no, I'm sorry, not including the newest one, which came out because I'm recording before that. This is so fucking confusing. I'm sorry for everyone. But anyway, uh, Boyd had those like little worm things living under his skin. His son gets stabbed in like a really, really stupid, predictable way. It, just like where some dude like at this, he's like swinging a knife around. And like I said it right before, I'm like, he's going to get stabbed. And sure enough, Boyd gets or uh, Ellis gets stabbed like right in the side. It was really dumb. But yeah, and speaking of that, then it's just like, hey, let's just take the van over to the hospital. Like, 
everything up until now was like under no fucking circumstances do you ever leave the house at night. But now it's just like they look outside and it's like, are they out there? Oh, no, there's none there. It's like these things are seemingly always everywhere in every other episode. But in this one where they actually need to leave the house, it's like, I don't see any. So they all get, you know, they they hop in the van and they're driving through and you you barely see any. And I, I wonder if that's just like a. I don't know, like they, they just don't have enough money to have more people on set to do this. But it just seemed really like, I don't know, very convenient. And then later on when you see, uh, so back to Boyd, he's got the, like I said, the blood thing. His son Ellis is stabbed. So he's O, um, he's got like the the universal blood type, uh, O positive or whatever it is, or, you know, oh, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't even know what blood type I am. Like I'm, I'm a mess. So, um, but the, but the whole thing is like, he's the only one that knows about these worm things. One, because no one else believes him because they can't see him because that's part of his show. It's like all the mysterious shit, but he comes up with this plan. I'm going to see if I can give my blood to one of these like creatures and see if like, if it does anything. So he cuts his own hand, he goes out there and it's like, you see like three or four of these things coming up creepy as fuck. Like they always are. But for some reason here, they don't attack him. They're just like kind of walking around him. And I get that a little bit because these creatures have been also known for like torturing people, but not when it's one person because they don't really have anyone to torture them in front of. So how did Boyd know that he was going to be able to walk out here and literally like interact with these things? So it's kind of bullshit there. So again, he's like surrounded by these things, but none of them, none of them pounce. Like they're almost like, Hey, let's hear what he has to say, which again, makes no fucking sense. So he cuts his wrist and he, he, and then he, he slits the one's throat, like the leader one that looks like Will Poulter. And it's actually pretty like, Whoa, shit. Like the way he slits it, but it's like so creepy because nothing, you see the slit, but nothing comes out because these things aren't like human. There's no blood or anything. And then he just puts his hand to the thing's neck and transfers the blood. And apparently it, it like it kills this thing. It puts it down. And I don't know. So that was kind of cool. You got to see these things. And then actually before it died, you saw the monster version of it, which we just keep seeing quick glimpses of. Now we actually get like a, a, a steady you know, one, two second hold on it. So, you know, I like actually was able to take a screenshot and it's like, oh, it's pretty dope. So, um, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I just feel like I have more complaints about the show, but that maybe keeps me intrigued too, because I like complaining about things. Maybe that's why I'm liking this show. There's just like, like a, a crap load of annoying characters. Like Kenny, he, he was like, he was so likable and I understand the character because something terrible happened to his father and there's a character that, well, basically this girl, it, which they keep saying, it's like, you killed my dad. You killed my dad. It's like, she didn't, she was like directly involved, but she didn't kill his dad. But I mean, I get what he's saying. I just wish they would stop saying you killed my dad. You killed my dad. But so he's upset because this girl's like kind of not having to pay for what she did and he's just kind of going rogue, it seems. But he's just becoming more and more unlikable the way they're writing him. Because it's just like, it's like, dude, just fuck off. Like, that's kind of like what you wish they would tell him. It's like, if you don't like it, fuck off. And that's the thing with, like, all the people on this show, all the side characters and everything. They're all mad anytime anything doesn't work. When these people are trying to come up with plans to get out of this town, 
if it doesn't work, they're immediately like, you fucking promised us you were going to get us out. It's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> like uh, the one guy, Jim, in, in season one, he was like, guys, if we build like a, a radio tower, I mean, it couldn't hurt. We're not fucking doing anything else. These people have nothing to do daily except like, you know, like keep themselves alive. So they keep yourself alive. Keep yourself alive. I love Queen. But they they basically just have to garden and like not just garden. I mean, like they have to plant crops and, and all that good stuff. But yeah, he's just like, hey, let's build a, a, a tower on the on the roof of the uh, community house. It's, the, it's the, like the tallest building in town. And they're all like, well, why do you want to do that? And it's like, well, uh, fuckers, let's see if maybe we could get like a radio transmission, you know, because they did they did have like a CB radio. So they do this and it's like, like these, so like it doesn't work, you know, spoiler, like I said, season one at the end, like the thing falls over because there's a huge storm and it, it actually does work. But Jim's not telling these people because he did get like a weird transmission back from someone who apparently knows who he is and what these people are doing. So that was really interesting. But like we're still like meandering around that. And it's like Jim's not Jim keeps like eight episodes in seven or eight episodes. It's still like. He's like keeping this to himself. And it's like, you can't tell anyone. It's like, what is the big fucking deal, dude? Tell these people like and that that'll make them more proactive. So every time and then there's Jade, this other fucking asshole character, but he's kind of interesting, at least he's trying to figure out how to get out, too. And then it's like anytime anyone suggests anything, hey, why don't we try this? The whole town's like, if this doesn't work, we're going to get really fucking pissed at you. And it's like. Guys, I, I'm just trying things. Doesn't matter uh, if you tell us that we're going to try it. That means it's going to work. And if it doesn't, it's your fault and we all hate you. It's just, it's annoying. Because like even Boyd earlier, he's like, I I'm going to go for like, he wants to go on like a spirit walk or whatever. He's gone for like a day and comes back because some weird shit happened in the woods. And everyone's like, you said you were going to find the answers for us. It's just, it's, it's just not the writing seems really cheesy, like just to cause more animosity. It's like humans aren't that gullible all the time and they're not. Yeah. Like if you're in a situation like this, also the person who's doing it would be like, Hey everyone, just so you know, I'm just trying this out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I I'm not telling you, Hey, I'm going to go do this and I'll be back and I'm going to save everyone. Um, Anyway, I didn't think I would be talking about from this long. I didn't plan on that. So uh, let's just uh, let's go ahead and get into um, our featured episode. Season two, episode 12, Christmas Scandal, directed by Randall Einhorn, written by Harris Whittles. All right. So uh, before I get into this, just going to say this episode is a doozy. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> There's only a couple stories going on, but there's a lot of like jumping back and forth. So here we go. Our cold open, we start off at the annual Pawnee City Government Follies, which is basically like a roast. So uh, every year, a different branch of the government, excuse me, uh, provides the entertainment. And this year, the Parks Department is running the show. So Leslie comes out. She's dressed up as Councilman Dexhart. And real quick, one of the funny things here, the wig that she is wearing, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, it's just like a, a black, short-haired wig. She's got a suit on as well. I believe, I'm not positive, but that wig will be used again on Champion the Dog at the end of season six in the prom episode when April, <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre, but, it, but it's hysterical. 
uh, Andy and April, they're going to, to the prom thing and they go in to take pictures and Oren, April's best friend, is there as April's mom dressed up just so creepy. And then he's like, don't forget to say bye to your father. And little champion comes limping in, you know, because he's missing the one leg, but he's got a suit on and I'm almost positive this is the same wig that he's wearing. It's awesome. So anyway, um, yeah, she comes out dressed as Dex Hart and she, uh, Dex Hart, if you're, uh, you'll remember we met him back in the episode Praxis Date. He, he is the city counselor who's just like a total scumbag. He's always involved in scandals. He's always cheating on his wife. And he's always just like these insanely bizarre sex things that he has going on. So uh, anyway, she, uh, she starts doing her best uh, impersonation of him. Councilman Dexhart, you're involved in yet another scandal? That's crazier than Mayor Gunderson's dog, Rufus. <laughs> yes, there is a new one, and it's a doozy. I don't want to go into the details, but let me just say that it involves multiple women, a love child, nurses, rabbis, priests. Well, I hope you can all join me in my fundraiser tonight. I am being supported, of course, by the Glitter Factory and 1-800-Mattress. <laughs> Classic. And the audience obviously loves this. I love how excited, too, that they get when April makes the joke about Mayor Gunderson's dog, Rufus, who we never meet Rufus. We do, we do know he passes away eventually, uh, Rufus and Mayor Gunderson. But it's so funny that, like, the town loves this dog, Rufus. It's almost like uh, little Sebastian. All right, so we start the episode. We're at lot 48 where they're using it as like a winter wonderland type thing. And it's just a note, uh, like a side thing. This is this show is filmed in California. So it's funny because like listening to the show Parks and Recollection, hearing how much they would talk about how they would always these, you know, because the show takes place in Indiana, which is in the Midwest, where our winters are very cold here. So they would have to, they would be in California in like 90 degree weather with huge coats on and stuff anytime they had to do these winter scenes. And in this one, it very clearly shows because it's so unconvincing. Like they, throughout the episode, it will show, I mean, there's snow and stuff during the episode, which looks really good in the window scenes. Like when they're in the parks department and you see it in the background, it looks great. But anytime they're outside, it just doesn't look convincing. And the main thing is, and this is the problem with yellow jackets a lot too. You don't see the people's breath when they're outside. And this is everyone wearing hats and coats. So, you know, you got to think it's probably like in the 40s. I mean, plus it's December in Indiana. So probably like the 30s or the 20s even. And it's just, it's very unrealistic, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not like a big deal. I just needed something to bitch about. So, um, uh, Leslie goes over the schedule with everyone and gleefully announces that for the first time in Pawnee history, the tree lighting will be simulcast on internet radio. <laughs> so Tom just, of course, he's a smart ass, but he's, it's such a good retort. Cause he's just like, Oh, he's like, man, listening to the tree lighting is going to be dope, which is so funny. Cause yeah, the things that Leslie would get excited about, like people you'll hear the countdown, but it's not like you're going to hear the the tree turn on so it is funny that yeah it's on the radio 
Uh, so after everyone disperses, April gives Leslie a message that Councilman Dexhart himself wants to have a meeting with Leslie. She's unsure why, though. She actually she assumes that it's because she did this like joke of him. So she's kind of she says that she's not scared, but you can tell she's a little like, wow, like I, I didn't think he would take it that you know seriously that he would actually call me out. So. Uh, so uh, we cut over to the shoe shine stand. April asks Andy for some advice on what to get her boyfriend Derek for Christmas. Since Derek is gay, Andy tries to be helpful and suggests a Brokeback Mountain DVD, which is so funny. Like, I don't know, for you younger listeners, you probably know what Brokeback Mountain is, but when that movie came out, it was such a big deal just because it was, you know, Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal. For one, it was like two like very big Hollywood actors. And it's like, oh my God, they're gay cowboys. I've never seen the movie, truth be told. Just never had any interest. But it's so funny. Like that movie was such a big deal back then. So it's funny that he brings that up. Uh, and then the other thing, <laughs> like assless chaps. Like he actually thinks that's a good idea. But then he actually kind of asks April. He's like, I, I don't know. Like, cause she's like kind of giving him shit for these dumb answers he's giving. But he's like, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? What do you, you know? So she's like, well, you're, you, you're like semi-cool and you seem like, you know, or she says you're semi-young. So he can at least, as, as opposed to her asking like Ron or Donna or Jerry, you know, it's like, she's asking one of her younger friends. So, um, she's like, whatever, you know, I'll come up with something. Uh, so the two high five and April walks away. This is like her scene from the opening credits where it shows her smiling. And then she looks at the camera and then kind of drops her face because, this is when uh, her and Andy, they're getting there. They're getting there. Uh, now we're at the restaurant where Leslie meets with Councilman Dexhart. He tells her he's not upset about her mocking him, which again, that's what she thought this whole thing was about. She was, she's a little bit confused. He wants to know who told her. So Leslie is just shocked. She's like, what told me what? You know, and he's like, who told you about the scandal? So the bullshit that she just came up with, like off the top of her head on the stage, like there were nurses and da, da, da. and she's like, do she's almost, she sounds more like uh, Rodney Dangerfield actually, but she's like doing Dexart. Apparently some of the stuff that she just came up with actually did happen. So he wants to know how she knows this. So she is genuinely confused, you know? So he starts talking about the next sex scandal that is about to break. And uh, so after like grilling her for a little bit, grilling, not drilling, whoo, uh, yeah, after uh, grilling her for a little bit, he finally believes her. And uh, when she says she has no idea, he's just like, okay, uh, uh, everything I just said is just a funny little prank. And, you know, he just goes back to like having his drink and Leslie's like genuinely like confused slash scared, kind of like, what the fuck? All right, so the next day, Leslie gets to work, uh, only to realize that she has made the cover of the Pawnee Sun, but not in a good way. The headline reads, Sexy Dexy Strikes Again, as it shows Leslie and Dexhart at their meeting. We then see Leslie and the crew uh, kind of walk over into another, uh, it looks like a break room. There's a communal TV that everyone's watching. We see our favorite newscaster, Purd Happily, on the TV. He is breaking the scandal about what's going on, basically, just with Leslie and Dexhart. And he calls the mystery woman Leslie Norp. Not the first time. Actually, maybe it is the first time she's been called Leslie Norp, but it will not be the last time. I've talked about that. 
Uh, the best, <laughs> the best line that he has, he talks about how witnesses saw them leave. And then he's like, although they left separately, who knows where they woke up together? <laughs> it's just, the way that this town speculates. is incredible. Uh, later, the group tries to calm Leslie down, saying that the Pawnee Sun is just a sleazy tabloid paper that no one reads. And of course, as they're saying this, Donna comes walking up and she like slaps the paper up against the window. And she's like, hell yeah, Leslie, because of course you would know, you know, that Donna would be reading the tabloids. Uh, and that actually just kind of makes me think of one. I don't know if this was like a nationwide one, but the, the Weekly World News, that was my favorite one when I was in uh, like high school, me and my buddies, we would like jokingly buy these things all the time and it was always like oh yeah but like none of us ever read them it was just one of those things where it was just funny to have uh however there was always like the page seven girl or whatever and it was just some hot babe which like made no sense but it was like okay it's like a chick in a bikini and then there was also uh, uh something called bat boy which was always like somehow on the cover like whether it was like a small one in the corner or uh, but it was just like a kid who was a half child half bat very intriguing stuff. Um, so April has a solution. Do you want me to seduce Prode happily? How would that help? I don't know. I just want to see if I can do it. April, I appreciate that, but I don't think it's something worth losing your virginity over. Next, we're back at lot 48, just kind of they're, they're still doing some planning for the, the winter wonderland. Leslie is approached by Alexis Softcastle. Real quick, I love this name because... There is um, like a director, writer, producer. I'm not exactly sure. I know that's what this guy's title is. I'm not exactly sure what he did on Parks and Rec, but I've seen his name. And that's what like when I heard her name, it made me think it's like, wait a minute. Alex Hardcastle works on the show. So I love I, I mean, it's got to be like a play on his name. Alex Hardcastle, Alexis Softcastle. So it's great. Um, she is uh, she's a reporter for the Pawnee Sun and she's played by Jillian Vigman. I love her whenever I see her. Uh, she's in a, a, like the comedies that like, for instance, she's a new girl. If you're um, I don't know if you've seen new girl, she plays Schmidt's boss. She's like really bitchy on that show and she just like makes him like look stupid all the time. But she is hilarious. She's also in uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I know she's in that speed dating uh, part, that really funny scene that uh, Mo Collins, Joan Calamezzo, is also in. So she, of course, is here to get a scandalous story. She says to Leslie, uh, some people are saying this isn't the first time you slept with a married councilman. And Leslie's just like, wait, who said that? And it's just her reply is good. She's just like, some people. <laughs> so it's, a, yeah. Uh, Ron tells Leslie that they're going to take care of uh, all of her work so she can just kind of lay low until this blows over. So back at City Hall, Ron hands out uh, Leslie's assignments, which is funny. Like everyone pairs up and Ron's going through the list and he's just like, actually, since I have papers in my hand, I'll make it more real, more realistic. He's like shuffling through them, counting. And he's like, all right, so everyone will just split these up and everyone will take, oh my God, he's like 10 different things. So she's got like, I think there's four, no, there's like three different groups. So she, yeah, she's got about like 30 different things she's working on. All right. Uh, we then see Leslie uh, out having coffee with Officer Dave. Yes, like everyone else, I forgot about Officer Dave because we haven't seen him in five episodes. I know that he's still in the show, but it's like watching this right now, I was like, oh God, like, yeah, like, you know, he's not gone because they haven't had that goodbye yet, which is in this episode that'll be coming up. But um, yeah, the last episode he was in was episode seven, Greg 
Greg Pakaitis. We're on episode 12 now. So five episodes, or well, I guess four in between uh, episodes have passed where we just totally forgot about this guy. He wasn't even mentioned. So uh, nothing really relevant comes out of this lunch date. Uh, they, I think they just needed to show Leslie out of the office doing something else because she's like laying low. So um, next we see April and Ron attending the Organization of Local Auditing Systems meeting hosted by the only man that Ron Swanson fears, city manager Paul Iresco. So it seems that Ron's going to have to make a presentation in Leslie's absence. They don't show us that. However, that would have been pretty hilarious to see. So that's kind of a bummer. Uh, back to Leslie and Dave. We find out that Dave is in the army or he's like an army reserve. I don't remember if I don't think we knew that. So it's kind of like, oh, I, I guess we didn't need to know that because it's fine, whatever. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if we heard about that. Let me know. So he uh, his unit is being called up to active duty and he's going to have to leave for San Diego in four days. And he wants Leslie to come with him. So she actually like she doesn't make uh no, I'm definitely not doing that face. She's actually kind of considering it because of everything that's going on in Pawnee. And she knows like like the, the, the scandal is not making her happy about things. And then also she just knows how ridiculous things can get in Pawnee. So she's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I should just get the hell out of here. Uh, there is a really funny talking head though with Dave where it, it comes in and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I guess I really, I do love, you know, the job and I love that. I'm so he talks about like, his love for the army and also being a police officer and everything for like a good, like 20, 30 seconds. And then he stops and he's like, Oh, you're talking about Leslie. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. I do love her. <laughs> so it's that, that one was good. That was a hilarious swerve. Like you thought he was talking about how much he loved it or, or whatever, just like he loved the army. But then you find out that they actually, the person was probably just like, Oh yeah. Are you in love? So then, like, he thought they were talking about the job, but they actually meant, like, are you in love with Leslie? So I thought it was great. Uh, Leslie talks about it with Anne, with her now. Um, she says that she'd really miss Leslie like crazy. And then we also find out that Leslie can surf, which I love this scene because, yeah, the two are just sitting there talking. And Anne actually does say, she's like, oh, my God, like, I'd miss her like crazy. But it's really cute because... She says to Leslie, she's like, well, I guess if you went out to San Diego, you could learn how to surf. And Leslie's like, I do know how to surf. I'm actually really good at it. And Anne just goes, I bet you are kind of like us, because it's like, why wouldn't we believe Leslie? She's actually done like a lot of crazy things. Like we find out she's like really good at bowling, too. I mean, we'll actually see that. We don't get to see her surf. But it's just like a cute scene because Anne, just the way she says it to her, she's just like, I bet you are like she's genuine. Like, yeah, I believe you. It's pretty cool. Uh, so then we cut over to Mark and Tom, who they're just kind of ripping through their assignments. You know, they're just no BS, whatever. And they see, they come across one that says, get a case of beer for sanitation, which is really weird. And they're just like, ah, eh, whatever, we'll skip through that one. Uh, so that's going to come back up again later. Uh, Mark mentions uh, to Tom that he got Anna a computer bag for Christmas. So, you know, Tom's just like, what? He's like, you got her a computer bag. And he just kind of shames Mark for it. He's like, you know, like, oh, my God, like someone as beautiful as Anne, you got to get her jewelry, man. You got to get her diamonds, all this stuff. You know, just Tom being Tom, uh, making Mark second guess his gift. So uh, we go back to Anne's house and <laughs> there's a breaking news report by Joan Calamezzo. So I'm going to play that. We are here looking at a videotape. This is back in April 2005. We see here we're Leslie, looking at... Leslie, you should see this. Card. 
and he's now about to shake hands with Leslie Nope, the alleged sex toy. Donnie. Oh, for Christ's sake. Look at the way she's smiling at him. Mm -hmm. And then almost unconsciously touching her hands to her hips. See that? Right there. It's like she's sending him a message that she's ready for childbearing. Wow. In a 24-hour news cycle, the tiniest story gets dissected over and over again. In 2004, a, a kid from Pawnee went to the Olympics, and it was reported on for over a year. He wasn't even competing or anything. He just was going literally to watch the Olympics. I, I, you know what? Like, there was the news report, and then I had to play the clip after of Leslie because... The part with the guy saying that she is like she's implying she's ready for childbearing just because she fixes her pants. And then also the con the thing Leslie says about the kid going to the Olympics. No joke. Two of my favorite jokes in the entire series. The one about the kid going to the Olympics was one of like when I started the Parks Rec memes page, that was one of the first ones, not the first. But like I remember because that stood out to me so funny and it was like it worked so well for like a four panel meme. Uh, check out that page. It's got a lot of funny scenes. But anyway, uh, I just yeah, genuinely two of my favorite jokes in the entire series. So uh, later on and somehow returns with Dex Hart, which is actually funny. She like she brings him back to her house and she's just like, it was way too easy to get this guy in my car. <laughs> I just oh, he's like such a scumbag. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Leslie demands that he hold a press conference to denounce the scandal. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. And basically just because the scandal that is happening right now with Leslie is far less damning than the actual one that will break, you know? And so she threatens to come forward and he's basically just like, go ahead. Like what, you know, I have nothing to lose. So if you really want to do it, go for it. I'm not changing anything about my life right now. Uh, and then, so Leslie's like, all right, whatever. They basically, they tell him to leave. And he's just like, you know, I, I gotta ask before I go, should we like, and he's basically, he's asking Leslie, should we, should we go fuck? And he's like, come on, everyone thinks we did anyway. And I'm very good at it. And she just yells at him. She's like, get the fuck out of her or whatever, you know? So, uh, good stuff. All right. Uh, so, uh, now we go back to the, uh, shoe shine stand and he goes over his gift ideas for April to get her, uh, boyfriend Derek for Christmas Spray tan gift certificates, uh, trip to Germany, which is, I don't know where that one came from, completely out of nowhere. However, speaking of uh, Andy and Germany references, this is so funny because I, I brought this up at work yesterday. If you go uh, to season four in the, the treaty, I think it is, that's the name of the episode where they do the model UN. They ask Andy if he wants to be Iceland and he's like, the bad guys from Mighty Ducks too? I don't think so. And then they're like, what about Japan? He's like, the bad guys from Karate Kid 2? No way. And then he's like, you know what? Maybe I'll be Germany. They've never done anything bad, which of course is obviously, uh, you know. But yeah, just like what's with Andy and Germany? It's kind of weird. Uh, and then uh, his last one was Hip Hop Abs Dance Fitness DVD. <laughs> Hip Hop Dance. So good. So yeah, April's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. And he's still like, you know, I think he's got the whole like, why? I still don't understand why you're asking me for uh, gift ideas. April asks him, though, all right, well, what would be your ideal gift? And he says that he wants uh, a blue Indianapolis Colts Reggie Wayne number 87 jersey signed by Reggie Wayne. And it's got to be after Reggie catches the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> 
uh, which is awesome because, well, spoiler, she will give him this gift and he will get married in this jersey. Also, uh, shout out to uh, my dear friend, Mike. Mike, I know you're listening. Reggie Wayne, Barista Development, baby. So now, uh, like minutes after Dex Hart leaves, <laughs> like literally, the, or I, I don't know, they, they don't really show the time lapse, but Leslie is still over at Ann's house. So we're saying like probably like within the hour, there is a new, a new report from Joan already showing Dex Hart at Ann's house with her and Leslie. So the news report is now saying that Leslie and the, the mystery woman must be lesbians just because of in the picture how close they're standing to each other. I love how the guy says it. He's like, and you know how it is. Anytime two women are standing this close to each other, they must be. And Anne's just like, don't say it. And then he's like, lesbians. And Joan's just like, mm, yeah. she agrees 100%. <laughs> so Anne and Leslie are just like, come on. So uh, Leslie calls the station and she demands a meeting with Joan. So the next day at lot 48, Ron informs Tom and Mark that sanitation didn't pick up the garbage at uh, lot 48 and that the raccoons have flocked and it shows the raccoons. They're just like climbing all over the garbage and everything. April is just like, wait a minute. I thought raccoons were nocturnal. And Ron's just like, not in this town, honey. He's like, they're 24 seven. And he just tells her uh, if we don't get rid of these raccoons, they're going to hunt the kids for sport. Uh, Tom and Mark remember um, which I talked about before. They're just like, oh shit, a case of beer for sanitation. I have no idea what this means, but I wish they would have told us why. But uh, sanitation, sewage Joe, sewage Joe. We talked about him earlier, Kirk Fox. All right. Uh, so Leslie is now on Pawnee today. Joan is always being like very rude to her for no reason. Joan asks her about the affair to which Leslie explains that she never even met Councilman Dexhart before that first meeting. Uh, however, we did see, you know, with that meet, that clip I played earlier, she literally did shake his hand once, but that's it. So I don't even know if they was like, Councilman Dexhart, this is Leslie. So technically, yes, she just did meet him for this first thing. So Leslie's still trying to defend herself. And then Joan, in a shocker, uh, she brings out the man himself, Bill Dexhart. We cut back to Ron and April, who are now running a town forum and because this podcast is called Citizens of Pawnee, let's hear what they have to say. I found a sandwich in one of your parks, and I want to know why it didn't have mayonnaise. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh, yeah, I don't think kids should be allowed on the playground equipment. Okay, we've been over this. If you're worried about swine flu, use hand sanitizer. I'm not worried about swine flu. I already have the swine flu. I'm worried about the turtle flu. Turtle flu. Turtle flu. Turtle flu. I can never not just mention how, again, just I think like The Simpsons is like the only other show I can think of that just expands on an entire city this well. And I'm just talking about shows that like I watch. I mean, there are other ones that I that kind of, you know, I can think of like this show from that I'm talking about, but that, that's actually a group of people who are all in one isolated area. But anyway, uh, yeah, just the citizens of Pawnee, like the, the the most idiotic people, but they're so charming and we all love them. So now we're back uh, to Pawnee today. Uh, Dexart, he keeps trying to like play up that him and Leslie are in a re relationship. You know, like he keeps saying, like calling her babe and stuff like that. He's like, oh, come on, you know, babe, we don't need to, we don't need to air out our dirty laundry in front of everyone. So he's just being a prick, you know, and Leslie, she's getting more and more pissed off. One, because she despises this guy and like just the way he's treating her, but also because the way that people in Pawnee think, just the fact that he's calling her babe and stuff, they're probably just like, oh, they've got to be, there's, there's got to be something going on here. So 
he even says that he can prove it. So he says that Leslie has a mole on her right buttock. So she's just like, that's not true. I don't have a mole. So uh, Dex Hart and Joan are kind of laughing about it. It's just like, oh my God, she's got a, she got a mole on her butt. So Leslie's just like, you know what? Screw this. Screw you guys. I will show you. So on live TV, she pulls her pants down, not all the way, obviously just enough so Joan can see. And uh, this is just funny because she will drop her pants again later on this season in the telethon episode. But yeah, so Joan just kind of looks around and she's like, there is no mole. There's no mole on the, you know, like, it's just like the whole, like, like the scandal is broken. There is no mole. So uh, Dex Hart just admits, he's like, well, I didn't think that she was going to drop her pants on TV, which the way he says it, it just sucks because that makes Leslie sound kind of like trashy almost too. that. He's like, well, I didn't think she was going to drop her pants on live TV, but yeah. So he was, he, that was kind of a ballsy move on his part, just assuming that, but she called his bluff and now everyone knows that the scandal is over because he's finally just like, all right, yeah, I admit, like it was all fake. But then he says, but I do have no plans on resigning. And Le I just love Leslie. She's like, yeah, of course you don't. You know what? She's like, you're a real class act, which I love that because pretty much from here on, like, and you don't hear it, like you'll, you'll, he'll come back up like here and there, but even when, uh, like, late in later seasons, like, yeah, there's one point where she calls him a scumbag, like, when she's going to try to, like, run against him. Kind of cool. So later on, Leslie is having dinner with Dave, and she tells him here that she's not going to go to San Diego. She just, you know, she, there's too much for her here. This is her home. It's where all her friends and family are and everything. And he just tells her, you know, you can keep the ticket just in case you want to come visit or something like that. So... Dave is gone. We will see him one more time, though, in season four um, in that episode when he comes back for uh, Chief Trundle. Trundle, I think his name is, uh, for his like retirement party. But that's, that's a really funny episode. Uh, back to Lot 48. Uh, all the group, including Marlene Griggs. Nope. This is Leslie's mom. They gather for the tree lighting. And if you remember, it's being simulcast on the internet radio. Uh, we get some rare... Marlene praising of Leslie, which uh, she's like telling her she's very proud of her of how uh, Leslie handled everything with like Dex Hart and whatnot. So I did. This is kind of cool with this character, with Pamela Reed's character of uh, Marlene Griggs. Nope. She doesn't really do anything important moving forward, but they just make. Er, well, there is the thing with Ben where. I don't know. They just, they make her character a lot more likable because like in the earlier ones, like she is a hard ass when she meets Ben. So that's still coming up. But like in the earlier ones, she was more like shitty. Like when she was basically telling Leslie, it's just like, Oh, you need to blackmail this guy. Like, so I do like that. They made her character a lot more likable. Uh, they do the countdown and the tree lighting happens and it looks great. So everyone embraces and even Andy and April, like, cause Andy's playing Santa Claus and he's like so much bigger. So it's not like the two of them are off to the side, like hugging and kissing, but it's like, again, everyone embracing, but they show him like with his, his arm around her, just kind of like, uh, like it's everyone, but it's also just kind of them too. So April does the thing again. Of course she looks up and the camera's right on her. So she like, her smile goes to back to like, like the, ah, what back off, you know? All right, then we get the tag of the episode, which is, uh, and even in this, the tag here, there's a lot going on. Uh, first off, Andy finds a gift waiting for him, like I told you. Um, obviously, it's from April. It's at the shoeshine stand, and it's the Reggie Wayne jersey he wanted. Obviously, this didn't happen after he caught a touchdown pass to win the Super Bowl. And um, 
it's not signed by him, but it is an awesome jersey. Like I said, this is the jersey that he will wear um, in the, uh, the next season when he marries April. Then we cut over to Ann and Mark who are exchanging gifts. Uh, she says that she actually does love the computer bag, so fuck you, Tom. And uh, she got Mark two Pacers tickets. And it's just kind of funny because he's like, oh, you know what, Ann? I actually got you another present. And he's like, you don't have to come with me to this game. It's just, it's, it does show that, yeah, their relationship is getting, well, not getting better. I mean, like they're showing us though, at least that it's, it's going well. So like I said, it, it seems more uh, realistic now. And then finally we cut over to Ron as he's sitting at his desk and he's finally like, oh, thank God. When Leslie returns to work, he hands her a stack of messages. She sits down and makes a call. Happy to be back at work. So, yeah, uh, that is the episode on IMDb. This is a 7.9. I uh, I thought this episode was good. It was a lot better than the last one. Still not a whole ton going on. Dexart's a funny character. He's not one of my favorites, though, just because he's so one note. I mean, like, it's just he's just a scumbag and that's it. I mean, he's like charming, but um, not saying I don't like the character. I just there's not much to him besides that. Uh, so uh, there's just a little bit of trivia I have, actually just one thing. This isn't even really directly about this episode. This is just a, a kind of a cool fact. And I have thought about this before. I actually wanted to make a meme, but I couldn't. It, it doesn't make sense. All right, hold on. Well, here it is. Mo Collins, who plays Joan Calamezzo, also played Starla, the secretary on Arrested Development. Starla had an obsession with the musician Quincy Jones, whose daughter is Rashida Jones, who plays Ann Perkins on Parks and Recreation. So, yeah, I, I have thought of that before, and I wanted to make a meme about it. However, it it's like Joan Calamezzo isn't Starla. So I can't be like, Starla was in love with Quincy Jones. Is Ann Perkins her daughter? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if the character of Joan Calamezzo had a crush on Quincy Jones, it would work a lot better. I'm getting way too into this. Let's just stop before I just completely go off course. Uh, that is going to wrap up this episode. If you'd like to contact me or the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can do that. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes every Tuesday. Next week, I'll be covering Season 2, Episode 13, The Setup. Thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you next week. The apartment complex that Ron developed is called Morningstar.